welcome to another excellent edition of Movies and Tea. Ahead, uh, continuing our David Fincher season with the curious case of Benjamin Button, a film which was the first time watched myself. Uh, don't know about yourself, Kim, was this a uh, first time watch as well? Yes. Um, and probably the most unfincher like film that uh, he is currently directed to date. Um, here, the film based on a on a short story by uh, Fitzgerald um, has really been sort of uh, been knocked around since around about the mid 80s when uh, producer Ray Stork, uh, Stark brought the film rights um, and it was optioned by Universal Pictures and originally it was going to be Frank Oz who was going to direct uh, with Martin Short attached to the title role but at the same time Oz couldn't figure out a way to make the story work Flash forward to 91 and Spielberg decides he's going to take a crack at it, this time with Tom Cruise attached for the lead role, but again Spielberg decides that the project's not for him and decides to go off and direct Jurassic Park and Schindler's List. And the rest uh, is pretty much history as far as uh, Spielberg's directing choices is concerned. But it's from there it continues to be sort of passed around and goes from producer to producer uh, with Kathleen Kennedy and Frank Marshall picking up the rights and taking it over to Paramount Pictures. Eventually the film lands in front of Ron Howard who decides that he would like to direct it with John Travolta most bizarrely in the lead. Ultimately the plot it comes to nothing um, and then it really around 2000 it lands in the lap of another um, of Fincher's sort of class of music directors who went on to become feature directors as Spike Jones uh, picks up the project, uh, teaming up with Charlie Kaufman to write a readaptation of the screenplay. Uh, but ultimately, again, this is, this comes to uh, nothing, leaving it to screenwriter Eric Roth to pick up the project in 2004, uh, bringing on board David Fincher to direct this rather unusual tale of a man aging backwards um, as Brad Pitt stars, stars as the title of Benjamin Button who is born an old man and over the course of the film ages backwards um, as we follow his life and adventures and in particular the romance he has with um, Kate Blanchett's dancer Daisy Fuller but I mean, Kim. I mean, obviously, we said, we've said off air that this is really a very unfinch-like film. I mean, for a start, it's not dark as the devil spit. Uh, everything's shot in brilliant daylight, and there's very use of any sort of camera sort of trickery or uh, anything like that. The main sort of trickery we have here is just in the special effects, really, in making us believe that Brad Pitt is in fact aging backwards. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, there are some staples of, obviously, Fincher in this with, you know, the use of colors, blue tints, yellow tints, whatever. But, I mean, in general, you kind of associate Fincher with kind of the darker kind of thriller, mystery, horror, whatever, that sort of thing, right? Something a little bit more, I guess, darker in content, but then at the same time, I guess there is a little bit of... I just don't know where the story is. Like, should you interpret the curious case of Benjamin Button as as a dark story or as just something a little bit more... It's just a story about, about life, you know, like gaining the experiences of, of life. As you get younger, you actually 
kind of know more about about you know like being able to I guess appreciate things a little bit more when you're in your teens which is kind of like how we say now it's you when you were younger you wish you had more knowledge type of thing and he's kind of aging backwards so as he's younger he actually knows more so I don't know I mean the, the story itself I think has in terms of kind of like this philosophical look of life and kind of giving you the message of life experiences and appreciating your moments and taking your taking you know your opportunities and and that sort of thing it's it has a lot of that injected in it as with any of these stories about age whether age stands still or age aging backwards or aging forwards or whatever <laughs> it, it it's it's all kind of like that and it it's it's nice that the story is set up in the sense that I obviously I've never read the source material. I've really only ever read one Fitzgerald novel ever, and that's The Great Gatsby. <laughs> so I haven't read this before, so I don't know what the source material actually is. If it's supposed to be a, you know, essentially uh, this like pretty much Benjamin Button's diary where you read and then you get all this information. I don't I don't know the backstory, and I didn't look it up considering I did spend, you know, we spent three hours watching this movie already. I ran out of time to do more research. It's surprisingly long. It has to be said. You don't, you wouldn't think that this movie needed three hours to tell this Forrest Gump-esque tale of this man who, as I said, we started in like, we started in like, uh, what, 1918. Yeah. Um, with this story and with Benjamin basically being dumped on the doorstep of a retirement uh, home by his father after his mother uh, dies in childbirth. And what we assume is that his father's so horrified at seeing this wrinkly old baby uh, being born that uh, he decides that the best thing for to do is to abandon uh, his child. And really what follows is just seeing Benjamin over the following years as he ends up turning up in a number of key historical events and obviously engaging in this sort of romance um, that sort of carries him through through the ages um, with with this uh, dancer called Daisy. Um, so, I mean, it's hard to say whether this is supposed to be like, you know, a slice of life story or a romantic picture. It's Really hard to say, but um, for a budget of one hundred sixty-seven million, it recouped three hundred thirty-five point eight million. So certainly did well, even if people. I'm not sure why. What the sort of draw was? Was it the fact that we got to see Brad Pitt and Kate Blanchett like well, smoldering? I mean, and I think I think it has a lot to do with the fact that um, that the the cast themselves is really 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 great um i have no issues with that i think that you know obviously as we go along the movie we start seeing a lot of roles come in with some really nice uh especially you know people who have really come into a lot of fame in the recent years obviously back in 2008 they weren't probably as famous uh, but i mean it's all very solid acting i mean at this point it feels that whenever Brad Pitt is attached to a Fincher project, then it seems like it's going to be a fun time. Consider, 
I think that's probably where the attraction is, especially since, you know, he's already gone through three movies at this point with Fincher. Um, and well, two movies, right? And then it, and, and this is their third time working together and they've had hits obviously with, you know, seven and then fight club. And, and at this point it's a different, it's a different Fincher that we're seeing. And maybe that's also quite intriguing because we always like to see directors kind of maybe step out of their comfort zone and see what their vision of it can change how this type of story can be told. Yeah, and it also feels it's strange that obviously Fincher previously had done another period piece with Zodiac, and now here again he's choosing to do another uh, period piece with with this film, and it's really an opportunity for him not to just do the one period, obviously, like the 1970s we saw with Zodiac, but to do many different periods. So it's kind of like... As from a direct directing perspective, getting to do this sort of sampler of getting to play around with different eras, different sort of set designs and costumes, and rather than having to like commit to a one big project in any of these particular areas, and I know that um, uh, Mark Romanak has said that's always been the appeal to him about directing music videos is the fact that I can just play around with styles and ideas without having to do it treat this larger canvas so i can mm-hmm. do like a hand crank piece i can do like a futuristic piece and um it's certainly for the appeal for this project would seem to be the same for for fincher i mean he as we said already the usual sort of traits are few and far between here i think the only, the main sort of challenge that he faces in terms of like filmmaking is how do you convincingly have brad pitt play himself through these different stages of life rather than just having like different actors come in. He, here we get to see Brad Pitt, you know, go the full sort of gambit of uh, ages as he goes from wrinkly old man to just increasingly more handsome versions of himself. Yeah, but um, you know, I think I think you, there's a lot to be said about Brad Pitt and I, if, if there was a time to really show a deeper side of Brad Pitt it definitely would be as Benjamin Button. Because he goes through the entire course of life. And as even though, you know, he's aging backwards and it's physicality that he's that he's kind of aging backwards. You you kind of see him growing as a person, knowing things, you know, his he's mentally growing as a person, but he's physically aging backwards. Right. So it's it's a very confusing kind of thing to go through in your mind of how to interpret the story. And and I think that Brad Pitt is definitely the highlight because I don't know maybe it's because I don't choose the right Brad Pitt movies or something or I just don't watch enough Brad Pitt movies although I feel like I do (laughs) but I feel like this role is maybe one of the most deep the deeper roles he's had obviously you know when we watched him in Fight Club he he was also very it was a different type of him I think like it was a he was kind of this just over the top and just out of control type of character whereas in this one he's more innocent he's there's a lot more of that going on here um my only issue with you know obviously watching it now brad pitt i I mean even in 2008 brad pitt was quite the you know sex symbol and the Mm. male idol type of thing right yeah i think post seven yeah so so you know, like for 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 Brad Pitt, it, it, he's he has this kind of like superstar 
thing. So acting in a movie where you need to kind of embrace his character as this Benjamin Button, I think the best way to do it would be in the beginning where he's this old man, where he's almost unrecognizable as himself. So you kind of can take him for who he is. Yeah. Um, I think certainly when it comes to, to to Brad Pitt's career, I think it was really after Seven that we all sort of paid notice to him more as an mm. actor because I think up until that he was suffering from the same uh, issues that Leonardo DiCaprio have where he's just like the pretty boy. <laughs> and nobody's really sort of taking him seriously. I mean, he's doing things like A River Runs Through It and Legends of the Fall and Seven Years in Tibet. So these real sort of... Uh, arty sort of pictures but at the same time he's just like oh yeah it's just the the good looking guy and I think Leonardo DiCaprio had that um for a while around like you know when he was doing like Titanic and the beach and stuff and it was it took him a while to really sort of break away from that I think it was only once he sort of like teamed up with um Scorsese that you know people started really sort of taking him seriously as a an actor and he's doing things like Wolf of Wall Street and Shadow Island and it's also aging. They age with charm and not like the. It's not with the boyish looks anymore. They're they've grown out of it. They they've become men, you know. So some people, you know, some actors don't grow out of it. You know, like you you see Jesse Eisenberg or uh, what's his face? Uh, other than uh, who's this other person? Um, who's the other guy who's really similar to whatever? Um, I mean, these people they they age pretty much. Yeah, they pretty much age to, to you know, they, they still look very youthful. <laughs> you know, like, Michael Sarah still looks fairly youthful, I think. Um, but I haven't seen him in a long time in anything, so I don't know. But I mean, like, these people, they, they age and they still look very boyish. Obviously, they're not as old as, obviously, Leonardo DiCaprio or Brad Pitt is right now. But, the like, I feel like... The change is that I feel like it's more sophisticated now in those roles than they were before. They have a lot more charm to them, and uh, it's it's different. I think they they fit into the roles they they are now given. They can't do boyish roles. You don't go backwards in time. You know, <laughs> as as like as much as they don't age, they you know they they have this like anti aging thing going on for them. But it's it's still it's still like they just mature with the roles, and I feel like. Much like Leonardo DiCaprio, Brad Pitt also has found some really nice roles as he's getting older. Yeah, I think as he's as he's uh, obviously gotten gotten older and been able to sort of be, gain more sort of respect and and certainly yeah. with obviously the fact he's also a, a producer as well, I think certainly helps when you yeah. look at his production company Plan B, uh, yeah. which has enabled him to certainly establishing his, his more projects and I, I, another person that I would say has to fall in this mode would be um, Ben Affleck who yes, it took forever yes. for everyone I think with Ben Affleck it went, the problem is he, had, he went from being like seen as the pretty boy actor then just to being seen as box office was poison he? and then it was like finally we could see him as being a, a, a proper actor um, so is Ben Affleck a pretty boy actor? I don't think I ever felt that way about him. Did you? <laughs> okay, so just uh, a smaller group of us. And at least, at least he was more sort of plausible when he decided to become a proper actor, like Matt Damon. Mm-hmm. Matt Damon always just feels like he's trying to make up for Team America burning himself too so badly. Um, but yeah, I mean, with this film, it's I think it is a chance for Brad Pitt to do something 
something more dramatic, really. And yeah. even though he's essentially just playing the same sort of character, you do get the essence though, of this character having having shifts in personality, as as you said, through life experience and whatnot as it goes on. The only issue, however, with Brad Pitt playing himself all the way through is when we get scenes such as when he meets Daisy for the first talk time. Now, in the film, he's... Pl- he while they're obviously the same age, they're both supposed to be seven. Um, he looks like just like a small old man, and very much like Brad Pitt in old man makeup. And he's he letching over this seven year old girl, and it's like, wow, is that creepy? Yeah, that- but I think it's meant it's meant to be that way because because he doesn't know better in his mind. He's seven. Yes, I seven. That. They don't have that right, but. That's why we have that scene where, you know, obviously when the grandma comes on, he's like, shame on you on doing this. You know, how can like, like, it feels like he's doing something wrong. But in reality, it wasn't even him who initiated it. It was really he just followed along because he didn't know better. He's never known anything outside of this senior home residence. I know. Always a feisty redhead leading you astray. <laughs> know that too well. But at the same time, I mean, the then you have alternate uh, sort of sequences where this mistaken sort of age for him works really well, such as like such as when he's uh, goes off to work on the tugboat, and um, his captain thinks he's just this old man who's never known the uh, who's never known the t- touch of a woman, so it takes him off to the whorehouse. <laughs> um, which obviously provides a startling surprise for the for the lady that he ends up uh, losing his virginity t- with in probably one of the more amusing sequences of the maintain that humorous tone because it, it felt like the film was certainly missing something because once it gets into the sort of grown-up um, years of, of his life so for this film I would say we're looking at the era sort of around the, the 1945 so he reunites with Daisy Daisy's obviously now an act uh, an actor and he's returning from the war and um it just becomes too focused on oh we've got to have this like sweeping romance and we got to the have these two good looking actors be sort of like this charming couple together and the problem i found though is that both well Kate Blanchett and um Brad Pitt may be good actors. They really don't have much chemistry together, which is really kind of an issue when you're now resting about two and a half hours of film on these two selling their chemistry together. Yeah, I mean, they're really great. They're really great um, actors and an actor and actress separately, right? But I, I feel together. I do. I do agree with you. Their chemistry uh, leaves a little bit to be desired. Um, it, it's mostly, I just feel it very awkward because it's mostly the Daisy character, which feels like she's very volatile, <laughs> would be the word, I think. Yeah. Because she's like, you know, obviously when she's younger, she has the, what she, you know, she, she, she just thinks he's, she, he's this old man, but he, but she's the only person that really knows his secret other than the mom. And, and then... As you know, they're going along. She she starts she starts seeing him get younger and younger, and he starts really. Excuse me. And he starts really um, embracing it. So what happens after that is is really the fact that 
uh, you know, like, how do you say it? I mean, he, it's just when, whenever they see each other, she starts like, you know, tossing herself at him and trying to do this random seductive, this seductive scene in the park. And, and it's just like, where is this person coming? Is she trying to act like she's older than she is to impress this man that she thinks is older in a certain age? And then there seems to be like this whole journey between them. But then they all make it up at the end where they're like, oh, well, you know, I, I, I wouldn't have wanted my whatever 20 something age to be with you because I wouldn't be, you know, it wouldn't be the same. I wouldn't be experiencing it now type of thing. It's, it's a lot of going through the motions, I think. Like, a lot of the daisy parts, I would have, like, fast-forwarded it and then sh- cut it out, you know? Like, oh yeah, just the whole- chop it up a ton and then be putting it together. And I wouldn't feel... That's the problem, is I think when a movie is, like, you feel like it's so long and there are so many... It, didn't, it wouldn't make a difference whether I had seen more scenes of them or less. And when it's a romance and you're trying to sell this romance and you're at this point, it it's very hard to get into. Obviously, you know, they have some really sweet moments and I actually felt more engaged in the Tilda Swinton yes, definitely. portion than I was than 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 the Kate Blanchett one because Tilda Swinton's one was was very fun to watch. It was quick. It was very fast-paced. It was just like, it was really a slice of his It's like a section of his life that he was in Russia, and they found company in each other. And he fell in love, and you could feel that kind of passion and that kind of, I don't know, difference in, in what it was. But maybe it had to do with the fact that when he was in Russia, he was maybe nearing that teenage, teen, teenager age kind of, deal i i get lost in this timeline yeah, of this story <laughs> I, I forget where i am sometimes and then unless they queue up how old they are i sometimes forget where they, what what it so, is so yeah so i mean there was in in 41 is supposed to be that he's um he begins his affair so i would say it's, it's him as a teenager or a dashing silver fox as the film portrays him as oh no Okay, so he was... Okay, I just looked at my notes again. So he was 17. He was 17 when he left for Russia, which means he was in kind of like his prime. So he was probably more, you know, passionate, more energetic, more whatever. So you could really feel that. So by the time he actually gets it on with um, with uh, with Daisy, it's already like 10 years later. So he's in his late 20s or so. Yeah, but... Again, this is the problem when you've got a character who's playing, supposed to be playing younger than the character we're seeing. And so yeah. when we have the scenes of him and, and Tilda Swindon, it doesn't really come off that he's like a 17-year-old. Um, and I think that the real strength of the scene just lies in the, the interaction they have rather than him trying to play his age. Um, just the conversations, the fact that yeah. she's more worldly... Uh, than he is, so she's uh, teaching about you know vodka and caviar and these sort of finer aspects of life, and the yeah. fact that they're having these secret midnight meetings in the hotel that obviously then blossoms into a more believable romance than the one we're supposed to be buying in this film. But then again, I think this is the thing with Tilda Swinton. You have Tilda Swinton, in and she can make anything work. It seems. I mean, she could have chemistry with the drapes if she needed to. 
Um, <laughs> Tilda Swinton is a fantastic. She's just an enigma, actress, isn't she? She honestly, just she... turns up and just embodies yeah. whatever they need her to be. It's sort of like it's like recently I've just like seen her in like four different like roles it was sort of like I saw her playing twins in Okja and then sort of played the minister in Snowpiercer and it's sort of like oh you're now like this Thatcher-esque um, Yorkshire accented woman in this sci-fi um, film and it's sort of like every time I see her and then you look at um, the remake of Suspiria and she's there playing not only the dance mistress but the old man as well and it's like where did you come from you just You'd like think she should be like in the phone book. She should belong. She's like uh, some. She's like Bowie. She's this outer world presence who's just coming to visit us, and then she's going to disappear one day. <laughs> that part was really, really. I think that was where I yeah. was really excited. Um, it was very entertaining to watch. It was very quick paced. I think once you get into the after war part, things get slower oh, yeah. than they were. Um, things get a lot more dramatic and I feel like, I don't know, sometimes I feel like the script itself got lost. Like, they got confused with their storyboard of what aging backwards means. And then it's like what you said when he's with, he's with, um, Tilda Swinton's character, which is, uh, she's called Elizabeth Abbott. Um, you, you have this feeling that. He's, he's very intrigued by everything that she's seen because obviously he hasn't seen a lot. He was in New York. Whether yeah. he was in New York, he was in New Orleans. And then and then he hops onto a tugboat and he ends up in Russia. You know, so his worldly views are, you know, he's seen a bit <laughs> from his tugboat. Um, and then he's in Russia for X amount of time doing whatever. And then... Now he hears about all these places that this woman has gone to and she seems, you know, she she's not supposed to be pretty. She's not like all these things, but somehow he's attracted to her because of the things that she knows and because of just uh, be all these talks they're having. And it's kind of weird because it's hard to say that, you know, a 17-year-old is not more, I guess... Maybe it's the fact, I, I don't know what they're trying to get at sometimes. I wonder if it's because he grew up in an old person's home. That's why his mindset is matured a lot faster. But then the only thing that he retains from this is the fact that he's very curious Definitely. about the Definitely. I think world. with her character, it's more to instill that world, that that that, that uh, yeah. lust to explore the world. Where Obviously, when we look at Daisy, her whole yeah. drive is just with dance. Um, meaning that she doesn't give mm-hmm. a huge much to do. And the problem is that we have this character who just wants to travel and sail on his boat, and that means we get really tedious scenes such as, like, Benjamin and Daisy go sailing for, like, a year and just so he can work in the space shuttle launch. And it's like, uh, do we need to cover every year just to get up to present day so we can find out what ha- the... Um, what happened to the relationship between him and the old lady Daisy that uh, is supposed to be narrating the story and has somehow developed a southern accent in the intervening years for whatever reason. So I had to say, though, that it's the (laughs) worst story, like the structure to have it in, to have um, Benjamin's diary being recounted by this this (laughs) old southern lady. 
And um, it's really, it's like the worst like old lady makeup that they got Kate Blanchett in as well. So it just feels really bad for her as well. So, um, <laughs> I I don't I don't feel the the real life parallel is too bad. I just feel like sometimes the parallels they're trying to draw from the story to here it to the to the real like to the present day is very distant i guess it's not easy to connect the two together and the main point of it was for the big twist of who benjamin button is to these two people you know and who these people are and it's not exactly unpredictable you you know at a certain point what's going on even though the daughter of this old lady seems very questioning on this whole thing. <laughs> I, don't I don't know how you say it. Uh, but I mean, it's it's not exactly like unpredictable. I'm pretty sure like even you saw it, you know, you saw it, what was going to be happening at this point. The moment that we knew the lady that was lying in bed. Oh, was, there was, was, I think that was, was pretty Daisy, obvious right? from the first uh, the first time that uh, Daisy's sort of introduced and it's built up that it's going to be like this big love romance for the ages and stuff. But, but you know, the one thing I did, I did appreciate is that I feel like Daisy, this is the first time that Daisy has opened this diary and this diary is meant for his daughter. And what happens here is she's hearing a lot of these things being read to her for the first time. And because we're hearing both sides of the story, obviously we're watching most of this movie in in through the eyes of Benjamin Button because this is being told from his diary. And these parts of reality brings in Daisy's side of the story. And in some cases, it really helps to complete the picture. I still think a lot of it could be cut out because <laughs> it was really long. Just a bit. But some parts, but yeah, but some of the parts did help complete the picture and and it really helps because it kind of gives this old lady daisy as she's passing away i guess some closure on some of the issues she had because it feels like maybe she's had some regrets about not grasping these opportunities more or pushing him away at a certain time or or all these things that kind of cut their relationship relationship short and didn't start their relationship earlier kind of thing because that's where the romance comes in. I think most of the feels are really at the end. I started really feeling more connected. I like the ending a lot because I I was very touched by how it all, how like the whole story ended. And I mean, the, it, and it has to do with the fact that you know whoever you know Benjamin Button is is like a book of quotes his diaries. So a book about life quotes about grabbing your chances and opportunities are you know even when they're missed are great and people who you know all these things uh, <laughs> it's, it's it's very it's 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 interesting how you know i i just wonder who in this world talks like a book of I quotes just hate, i just <laughs> hate it when you have these movies that are supposed to be covering huge spans of time and that they just happen to hit all these major like important life things and it just like got so eye-rolly by the end like once we get into like the 60s and suddenly it's like oh it's the Beatles on the Ed Harrison show and it's like oh fuck fuck's sake <laughs> I just like really and the fact that they <laughs> they live in this perfect apartment and they like furnish it out but they don't ever bother to buy a bed they just sleep on this mattress and they do everything on this mattress that they've uh, put on the floor and it's like really 
I mean, I mean, I've lived in some crappy yeah, apartments. Yeah, well, there's but... a lot of there's there's a lot of like there's a lot of questions. It has a lot of movie magic to it, and and a lot of it has to do, I think, with probably the fact that I've always felt that Fitzgerald, like even with the Great Gatsby, has this kind of weird perception of life and the rich and money and all that sort of things and their characters sometimes. I don't know, but I mean. It's kind of funky because you're watching them and it's not like they're doing much. And then all of a sudden she has money to open a school of dance. And you're like, wait, what were you guys doing? Where is this coming from? And then you're, and then you forget that, you know, Benjamin Button does own the Buttons Buttons or something. Whatever the place is called. Yes, he inherited it. And then, yeah, he actually has a lot of money. So you forget about all these things until, you know, because... I mean, honestly, there's a lot going on. And, like, there's a lot that's happening. A lot of details and a lot of people that cross their lives and and that sort of thing. And, I mean, I keep going back to the end because I really want to talk about the end more than I want to talk about the beginning. Um, and, like, the end is, is nice. Uh, I just want to finish that thought. Is The end is nice because we finally get to look back at all these characters that kind of cross his path. And he kind of gives a regard to everybody. And I'm not kidding you. I really like that guy. I really wanted to get through the man who was talking about getting hit by lightning <laughs> seven times. I found that incredibly entertaining. Oh, especially <laughs> they do these cutaways and it's like this old timey footage. Yeah. Of, uh, this guy getting like, struck by lightning because of the mailbox. <laughs> Just like walking down the road. Um, yeah, that was definitely good. I think there's, the supporting characters in the, in the film. Are really fantastic, and I think that's when the film actually becomes interesting when we we're not talking about Benjamin and Daisy. Uh, yeah, because I think I think the key in this is life, right? In your life, you meet people. You meet a lot of people who bring you a lot of different perspectives, and every single person he meets, uh, well, almost everyone, is very fun to watch. They have their own story. They have their own, you know, quirks. And sometimes it's more short. Their stories are shorter. Maybe they're just passing by. But everybody has these little moments. Even, even like, I mean, I love uh, Taraji P. Henson as an actor. So when I saw she was playing mom, I was just so happy because she she's an amazing actress. And, I mean, obviously now she's getting a lot more fame, especially... Uh, after she did um, that Oscar Hidden Figures. Uh, yeah, your favorite film Hidden last Figures. Decade. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, I mean, it was great to, to obviously see her in some of her previous roles also. Uh, so, yeah, no, I, there's a lot to love about this. Like, a lot, of, a lot of actors now, like I said, a lot of the supporting actors we see, but we don't acknowledge as much, I guess? Definitely so. I mean, you've got um, Elijah Cotus, who plays uh, Monsieur Gatto, or Mr. Cake. Yeah. Uh, blind clockmaker in a really yeah. fantastic opening sequence, which I really thought was just really good. Yes. Um, in particular, yes. um, Ed Metzger as uh, Theodore Roosevelt, I think, added a lot of emotional weight to that sequence. Um, at the same time, we also mm. get to see Jared Harris as uh, the tugboat captain, Mike. Um... You mentioned obviously you mentioned already about uh, about Queenie, who I think she's. I would have liked to have seen her more. Just the fact that she's there, she's this 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 black woman who's running an old people's home, and I wasn't sure what was the setup was supposed to be of 
of where it was because I thought originally she was like a servant in this this rich person's house and that all these other people mm-hmm. were there for a gathering and then I realised they weren't going anywhere and I realised oh no it's an old people home which is obviously the perfect place to to put Benjamin because they assume he's an old man just really small This I think this is the, where the film could have done better I mean it could have had more interactions with other interesting people I think the, the one scene with Daisy that really sort of was interesting is the section on fate uh, that um, leads to her having her leg crushed in a, yeah. in a car accident and yeah. Yeah. that for myself is probably one of my favourite moments of the whole film I think it's also where Fincher gets to shine the most in his sort of precision style um, in the fact mm-hmm. that we have this this chain of characters and it's basically like if one thing had changed in this in this uh, chain perhaps uh, Daisy wouldn't have uh, been in the accident and it's just interesting you see where you got all the way back and then you like play like play it forward um, you know what what could have happened I think it's whenever you have those like uh, moments of like fate um it's always sort of yeah. sort of interesting to to see you know those hints of like what could have been, um, so those those bits were good. But yeah, as I said, when we're just padding out a romance for another hour, I mean, you could have hacked an hour off this thing and it wouldn't <laughs> have lost anything. Um, especially because it's as I said, it's like oh, Benjamin goes wandering off. He walks out on his his wife and kids. Uh, well, obviously with pretty good reason because he to see. With him aging backwards, he sees himself as being more of a hindrance than a father. But he just seems mm-hmm. to like go off and have this like gay old time, going off on more ventures and in hanging out in Tibet and uh, and whatnot. And she's there left raising the kid, and yet she takes him back with like no mm-hmm. qualms. He like turns up ten years later, and it's sort of like they're just like they just pick up like nothing happened. It's like the darndest thing. I don't know. Um, I, I really, I think that there's so much in there. There is meant to be a lot of depth in their relationship. Their relationship is not just as simple as it seems because obviously there's this whole aging backwards thing that changes the context of their relationship in general. And something that's always something that's hanging on their head. And in the end, in reality, you know what? I mean, he wanted to leave to not be a hindrance to her. But in the end, he still ended up being taken care of by her. As he got, you know, obviously gets younger and he starts. But he's getting dementia as a yeah. child, I guess, if you can call it that. So, so you know, everything comes kind of full circle. And sometimes things are things that are meant to happen will happen. No matter how much you try to run away from it. And I think that... The story's main lesson is really embodied in 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 a lot of the ending section about what he says about about life, about the people you meet, and that really encapsulates what this entire two hour and forty so minutes movie is about. I don't hate it. I like movies that are like that. I liked it a lot more when I was younger, uh, but. I just felt, you know, like, there's, we, we keep saying it. I feel like we're, like, broken records. But there's just so much that could have been cut out of it. And it wouldn't have changed anything. Because, you know, like, you have, you know, you have one favorite scene. And I have one, yeah, I have a few, like, really nice moments. and But then, I mean, if you think about the fact, you know, we were saying 
it would have been great if we had more of those humoristic kind of moments, but then that wouldn't be Fincher. <laughs> this is supposed to be dramatic. This is supposed to be kind of dark. It's supposed to be this look on life. And there's a lot of things they say here that are fairly, you know, depressing about life, you know? Like, you don't know how to, you know, people are meant to die or else you don't know how to, you know, appreciate them or something like that. And it's very, very, it's very sad about the things that, you know, like just about missed opportunities and all those things that it, it goes. But in the end, it is, it's kind of a little bit dark in a certain way, a little bit dramatic. And then as we hit the end, you know, the final thing that he says to his daughter is, is very nice. It's about, you know, have telling him to have the strength, the, 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 the strength to start over if she needs and, and, you know, hoping that she has the best of everything and, and what, whatever. And all those things are very heartwarming. I just feel the relationships there were built, that were built between Benjamin Button and the strangers in their short moments was much stronger than the ones that were meant to be longer. The only one that I really con connected with was, you know, him and Tilda Swinton, which was also a short encounter, and him and his mm -hmm. mom. Pretty much for me, at least. Okay, so let's uh, get into some further viewing now. If you happen to like *The <laughs> Curious Case of Benjamin Button*, um, where do you sort of go from here? Okay, yeah. So for further viewing, I mean, I went with kind of uh, mostly movies that targeted kind of your change in perspective over life. You know, whether it was time freezing at a certain age yeah. or changing at a certain age. So. Yeah, so, I mean, one of the, I guess, one of the obvious choices would, um, that is also a romance, where it's about a woman whose time stops, pretty much, like, she, she gets into a car accident, and, and she does, she stops aging, and that would be Age of Adeline, okay. played by Blake Lively. Yeah, uh, I haven't personally finished a movie, but the concept is very similar to this one. So maybe I'll go and watch it. I'll finish it now. <laughs> and then um, if we if you talk about like revelation of um, of life experiences, actually, uh, Hong Kong had a movie that was with Andy Lau. It was in 2005, a little bit earlier than this one, which actually talks about um a boy who wishes, uh, Andy Lau pretty much plays this little boy who wants to grow up faster. And he ends up getting this, I don't remember if it's a, a, a bean or a pill or, or some type of medication or potion or something. And he takes it, this magic potion, and it transforms him into an adult. And he starts aging very fast, which is the opposite effect of obviously this movie. <laughs> he ages, he actually ages exponentially fast. Um, from a boy to to an old man. And we watched the process of that. And that movie is only an hour and a half. Hey, you know, you can do this quick. Um, yeah, so that movie is actually really fun. It was one of the first movies that I watched that was really about um, aging in kind of like a fantastical way, I guess. Uh, and then other than that, I mean, huh? Sounds like big. Um, I don't know if it's about the same thing, but um, I don't know. Have you seen Big, the Tom Hanks movie? I might have. I, d I don't remember a lot of it. I watched it oh. a long time ago, so I don't I don't remember. It's just, you know, it's the same when you're describing it. It's just like you know the the boy has the uh, makes makes the wish and suddenly ends up um, as Tom Hanks and yeah, he's big. Yeah, no, th so. this was the, this is. I feel like it's similar, but not quite the same. Okay. It's more dramatic in you know the Hong Kong sense. <laughs> uh, 
Um, but yeah, uh, other than that, I mean, I thought about uh, as a darker picture of just a father-child relationship would be Big Fish. Um, where, you, yeah. you know, you talk about their stories and that sort of thing. And uh, Big Fish is a pretty good movie, in my opinion. So it would be a decent I watched movie. it. I watched it once and then tried to watch it again, but those southern accents just did me in. That and um, the fact is, you and McGregor I'm, I'm as going, well. I'm so. gonna I'm gonna say this right now. I watched Big Fish the first time and I did not like it. And then someone was like, "Okay, I think I had to watch it for something else." And then I rewatched it and I actually liked it the second time. It might have to do with age. Maybe I understood a little bit more, so I. I had my own things that I was dealing with, and it worked better the second time around. Um, and uh, the last title for further viewing is a Chinese movie that I saw at um, one of the festivals I went to two years ago, and that would be Ash's Purest White. And in many ways, this relationship doesn't have an age element, but it is very similar to the fact... Um, that we kind of kind of relates more to the back half of the story where a man kind of loses his, his he he used to be kind of like this big crime boss type of thing and this woman used to just be with him and as things separated them apart they end up finding each other again but this time he's he's gone crippled from you know just stuff happens <laughs> and then, and she ends up taking care of him uh, and there's this whole story about that kind of relationship, and I feel like, in some ways, it kind of connects to this one a little. A little bit further, you know, far-fetched, but it's there. I actually thought about yeah. it as we were talking about it, so... Yeah. Any, uh, any other further viewing from you? Well, I mean, obviously Big Fish was one that uh, jumped out to myself. Um, you can also see go down the obvious route of doing Forrest Gump, uh, which is more problematic the more you think about the story. I mean, obviously here we have a man who's uh, dim-witted, but somehow manages to play a role in numerous important um, historical events and, and finds you know, success and fame. And it's a charming little story, but unfortunately when you start looking at the deeper themes of the fact that you know here Forrest it plays by the rules and uh, and does the right thing and is rewarded constantly and then his girlfriend uh, Daisy's constantly rebels against thing and is punished and then ends up dying <laughs> it um it, it kind of overshadows it a bit um the other film I want to throw out there would be um Brokeback Mountain Hmm. I think they again it's a romance over a passage of time I mean obviously it's not to the same extreme as this um, but I feel that tonally it was very different I'm not sure but I'm still going back and forth where I would watch Brokeback Mountain again instead of this but I think I think Brokeback Mountain was a little more engaging than this film was uh, yeah I, I would agree with that yes uh, even though it's uh, slow as all hell and hardly the most cheery viewing at times um the obviously the the last one I would include and this is just again just you know romance with a unique concept and that would be the time traveler's wife uh, where Eric Banner uh, everyone's third favorite Hulk um, no everyone's fourth favorite Hulk um, suffers from a condition which makes him constantly travel through time at random moments and the romance he embarks on. Um, with with this uh with this woman who was obviously has to live with the fact that 
her partner just constantly uh, can phase in and out of time at any any given moment. It's it's okay. It's again, it's another outlandish concept uh, like this one. So, I think mm. if, if you were looking for something, wanted thought that your romance films are too straight laced and wanted uh, something with a bit of a twist to it, I think uh, this or I think Big Fish should certainly suit you well. So, yeah. But uh, yeah, that was a curious case of Benjamin Button. Not one I'm in a rush to revisit. Um. But, um, Kim, where are we heading to next? We are jumping forward to 2010, and we're checking out the biopic, The Social Network, which also happens to be your top, <laughs> your number one of the last decade. That's right. Uh, yeah, The Social Network, the story of Facebook and uh, the rise of Mark Zuckerberg, a concept that really should have been a TV movie, yet in Fincher's hands turns into something very special. We will obviously be looking at that on our next episode, but until then, make sure um, you hit the like and subscribe buttons where you have been to listen to us. Maybe leave us a review. It all helps raise the profile of the show. You can follow us both on Facebook and Twitter and Instagram, and uh, we love to hear from you guys, so uh, let us know what you think of the show or any of the directors that we've covered. And you can also check out our full archive, which is moviesandtpodcast.wordpress.com, and on there we also have our Friday Film Club, where each Friday, myself and Kim both pick a film to put together into a really fun double feature. Sometimes there's a theme, sometimes there's not, but either way, there's some fun suggestions either way. Um, but that's it for this episode. Thank you as always to my co-host Kim, and uh, we'll be back next time to talk about The Social Network. Good night. <laughs>